It is so good to be back here. Miss all of you. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So I want to look at how different gospel writers start their gospels. Right? So in the, if we look at different gospels, the gospel of Matthew begins with the genealogy of Jesus starting from Abraham. Right? So Abuna, I know this is the boring part of the Bible where they name all the names. The whole genealogy is there. But there is a reason for it. He starts with the genealogy, tracing it back to Abraham because he's writing to the Jews. And Abraham is considered the father of the Jews, the father of the faith. So that's why he traces his genealogy back to Abraham. Luke has his genealogy in chapter 3. He's writing to the Gentiles, and in his genealogy, he traces it back all the way to Adam. All the way at the beginning of humanity, telling the Gentiles, right, the non-Jews, the non-believers, that Jesus is for all of humanity, not just for the Jews. But John takes a different approach, right? John begins at eternity. He begins his gospel by saying, in the beginning. In the beginning of what? In the beginning when things began. That time before time. That time when time didn't even exist. Exact part of eternity when everything was made. Emphasizing the eternity of Jesus. Emphasizing that time, space, and all of creation came through him. And we see the different stages of Jesus in these verses, right? This few, very few, if you take the five, six verses of St. John, the Gospel of John, the very six, they are so profound. So profound. You can write libraries full of commentaries on just those six verses. So the first stage is at creation. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made. In this stage, Jesus is with the Father in heaven. Heaven and earth are created. God has his chosen people. And we thank God for his creation, right? We thank God for the gift of life. See, the idea of creation was for us to dwell with God in the Garden of Eden. No death, no suffering, no pain, no tears. But we somehow messed that up. We decided to reject that gift by the sin of Adam and Eve. And we were kicked out of that garden. See, now we need a savior. The reading today says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's what we celebrated at Christmas, right? God becoming man. The divine taking on our humanity. The one who created time and space is now confined in time and space. The eternal became temporal for our salvation. Heaven Touch earth in the person of Jesus. I don't know if we truly understand what Jesus Christ has done. What Jesus Christ did for us. I've said this before and I will say this till the day I die. Jesus Christ is the best thing that's ever happened to you. Whether you know it or not. Whether you want to believe it or not. Whether you want to proclaim it or not. Jesus Christ is the best thing that's ever happened to you. And he came to give us life. Jesus didn't come down to make us comfortable. He didn't come down to make us happy. He didn't come down to make you rich, to find you a wife or a husband. Jesus came down to give us life. In the reading today, it says, In him was life, and the life was the light of man. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The question becomes, my brothers and sisters, what gives us life? Who do we turn to? 
Do we turn to the world or do we turn to Jesus? Do we turn to what the world is telling us or do we turn to the word of God? See, the world tells us to follow your heart. Jesus says, follow me because the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. The world tells us, believe in yourself. Be true to yourself. Live your life. Jesus says, I believe in me because I am the way, the truth, and the life. The world tells us your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth as if truth is subjective. Jesus says, I am the truth. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The world tells us we define our success by how many possessions we have. How much money do you have in your bank account? How big is your house? How many cars do you own? We place our value in the valuables that we have. Jesus says, what will profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? The world tells us, prioritize your career and your goals above all else. The number one priority in your life is to be comfortable, is to make money. Jesus tells us our number one priority is, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. How do we do this? How do we love the Lord with all our hearts, with all our souls, with all our mind? By having a devotion to the blessed sacrament. The word became flesh and dwelt in the Eucharist. The Eucharist is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ. The greatest gift ever given to us. This is how Jesus comes to us at this stage. And I'm afraid some of us don't truly understand the true presence of Christ. Because how do we approach him, my brothers and sisters? How do we approach the altar of God to receive the king of kings? Where is our heart? Where is our mind? What are we thinking about when we're coming to receive Jesus? Are we looking around to see who made it to church this Sunday? Are we worrying about where we're going to watch the Lions game tonight? Who are we going to visit? Where are we going to go out to eat? Where is our heart? Is your soul ready to receive Jesus today? St. Paul in 1 Corinthians says, For if you eat bread, the bread, or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. Another translation says, <clears throat> You are eating and drinking condemnation upon yourself. How many of us came into the church today ready to receive Jesus with sin on our souls? How many of us have not gone to confession in years? And we don't even think twice about it. We come to receive Jesus and we don't think twice about it. And shame on us, my brothers and sisters. Shame on us. I'm sorry if I'm being rude, but he deserves a lot more than that. For not recognizing who, not what, but who we are going to receive in a few minutes. Whether you want to believe it or not, the body of Christ is on this altar. This is Jesus. He's here. And he wants to abide in you. We have to be ready. We have to cleanse our souls from sin. There was a, a priest in seminary a couple years ago who shared the story. They were doing a Eucharistic procession around the city, right? Around the town. This is a farm town. So they're going around, all around the town, with the Eucharist and a bunch of people and praying. And then at one point, they come across this, this uh, farm. The cows came in and bowed down 
in front of the Eucharist. An irrational animal is able to recognize the true presence of God and show him reverence. And sometimes we have a hard time doing so. We need to have more reverence toward the Eucharist. We do this in preparation for that last stage, when Jesus comes on that last day. And at that point, it will be too late to go to confession. It's going to be too late to adore him if we have not prepared ourselves. But it's not too late today. Go to confession, my brothers and sisters. Get right with God. Let him wash away your sins by his blood. And then come receive him by showing reverence. Amen?